Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So gentlemen, today, let's talk about rejection. Specifically, <laughs> let's talk about rejected ideas. You guys are uh, prolific idea havers, I think is the way that I would describe the two of you, especially over the time that uh, we've been doing this show together every now and then. You'll show me a little idea that you have, and sometimes I'm really excited about them, and then they don't ever happen. So I would like to understand a little bit about <laughs> What types of ideas you've had in the past but you've rejected and why? And in our notes, there's a very long list here. So I was maybe wondering if we could pick out a few little case studies and talk about what this product was, why you wanted the product to, exi- to exist, why you rejected it, and if you ever think you would come back to it. So, Tom, why don't you start by giving us an example of a product that you were mer- working on but it ultimately ended up rejecting i think the weirdest one are the most well there's two really oddball ones but the weirdest one for sure is there was a while where we were thinking about making this app where it would um like video record like your golf swing and the thing that was clever about it (laughs) was it would like listen it would it would listen basically for when you hit the golf ball and then automatically crop the video perfectly to your swing and it would be like a slow-mo so that like you could you could just go out and hit you could set up a camera hit a bunch of golf balls and then at the end you would have like you know whatever like a hundred clips of your swing like perfectly uh like you know um like cropped and stuff and then we could even do stuff where it like compares them automatically and stuff so it was kind of cool and it would maybe had like a little hardware thing that would go with it like a little mic that would come from the Mm -hmm. uh, phone to like make sure and whatever i think i think that came from thinking about app ideas that you would use like a glyph for basically and we're like oh and i'm like was i am like a golfer or was more of a golfer um and so yeah anyways uh, that was like that's a really odd one and i think we went as far as like and like we made like a test like i made like a little we made like a little test app to see like oh does this like work and like a little thing and it, it like it worked like the general idea worked so but we, we didn't go further with it but that was that was an odd one <laughs> right, at least you answered my question like that i was thinking which is do either of you even like golf but i guess the answer <laughs> is yes right because that's like point one is like why how? one of us does <laughs> <laughs> is this the key to why this ended up not going anywhere do you think I, well i think probably the main idea or the main reason is there i mean i think at the time there was already uh this this wasn't a breakthrough idea. Like there was kind of other things. I think what we could have done of like kind of cleanly trimming the video might have been original, but I'm sure at this point that's probably that probably exists. And I think a a big hole in this app where uh some of the other apps are more equipped to do is like actual coaching, like actual kind of like analysis and coaching of your swing. Um 
which this, I, 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 as we had it planned, this app wouldn't do. It's basically just like, here's a video of your swing, and it's kind of up to you to analyze it. Uh, okay, see, that that's that's the missing component that everybody yeah. would ask for, right? Yeah. But yeah, anyways, I mean, you know, it didn't, we didn't, it never went that far. Like, a lot of these ideas, you know, I think any, the ideas that are on this list, and, you know, I we, we could think of like 20 years or more, um, are all things that kind of got a little bit of start, like either, you know, some sketching or maybe some, like, computer CAD stuff or a prototype. Um, but, you know, they are always like really far from being a fully developed product, you know? So it's like, it's, sometimes it's like hard to talk about these things or at least even be convinced that it was a good idea. And maybe some of these could have been really good ideas. Like if we fully like went for it and flushed them out, you know, sometimes we get surprised about like where things go. Um, but yeah, that one was like an oddball for sure. I mean, it wouldn't have been, yeah, but you know it's weird there's like like if you go to the apple store there's like several like golf gadgety things there so it's like i don't know it's kind of a it would kind of fit but yeah that was an odd one yeah i think it's there was definitely a period of time where we kind of had like our baseline products like at the time it was kind of like the glyph and the cosmonaut and eventually the neat ice kit and so a lot of these ideas were like you said kind of relate trying to relate to those in some way trying to create a synergy with our uh a product lineup so so like the whole the kind of appeal for us of the golf swing thing is it's like you need a glyph to you know you need a way to stationary you know put your uh phone you know propped up uh, on a tripod uh so there's a couple others here uh like we had a couple ideas kind of pivots around the cosmonaut early on um, so one of the ideas that actually got quite far, like we had a prototype and we were like starting to think about packaging for it. And then we were just like, this is dumb. Uh, <laughs> came up was, uh, like a stand for the cosmonaut, a desk okay. stand. Uh, so you can kind of like just have your cosmonaut propped up on your desk. And so kind of tying in with the whole like space theme, the stand looked like rocket ship fins. And so when you nestle the Cosmonaut in the stand, like it looked like a completed rocket. That sounds nice and cute. Yeah. It's, it's really cool looking. Like yeah. it's funny how when you, my son actually thinks the Cosmonaut is a rocket mm-hmm. and he like, he like talks about it being a rocket and plays with it as a rocket all the time. And I have a couple of prototypes of the like 3D printed fins and it looks like very much like a rocket whenever it's in the little fins. So it's like, it is, it's kind of like a f- cute, like funny little thing. Yeah, so I think we rejected that just because <laughs> it was like this. It seemed a little too silly and trivial. Like we knew yeah. from the start, we were like, "Oh, this is like a cute, like little tchotchke thing." Like it's people might you know think it's funny and it's kind of endearing. Um, but I think it just like didn't stand up to scrutiny beyond that. It was like this seems it's it kind of seemed too trivial. Like if it was really easy for us to have made something nice, I think we maybe would have done it. But I remember. The way, like the simplest way we could figure out to do it had like quite a few parts and it was like, it wasn't simple or easy uh, to really do well. So that was like, I think a big part of it. I mean, there's actually several of ideas like that where it's usually something little like for your desk or something small. And um, when, when we start out with the idea, we're like, oh, maybe we could just do, do this quick little thing. It would be so simple. And and be like like kind of like the remote TV like the Apple TV remote stand where it's really small and simple and we can 
like turn it around really quickly. It's not a lot of work and it can be fun. We, and, but usually what happens is it ends up being more complex than kind of what we in, immediately uh, imagined. And so it just ends up being like, well, it's not probably worth like making this product that has like four or five parts or whatever and all this stuff. Because on this list, let's see, there's... um. Oh, we were thinking about making a little dock for for AirPods when the first AirPods came out. Uh, also, a little uh, Apple Pencil dock or something. What's wrong with those docks, though? Well, they're just... Uh, nothing was wrong with them. They're just... Um, I think, thinking back, I think the reason we abandoned them, maybe, A, we weren't sure how big like the market would be for something like that. It's like pretty specific. But also, it, it just... I don't know, maybe like... Like with the pencil dock, the ideas we had were kind of bigger than we wanted. I mean, right, you know, right. like these, these could kind of maybe come back, but um, at this point, they just didn't seem it didn't seem like right. And I think around this time, we this is when we were thinking more about the material dock, and we just decided, I think, to focus on like one for like a phone and like an Apple Watch, just because that was like a way bigger market, basically. But yeah, I mean, there was I, oh, I remember. Uh, we ha- we had an idea for a little dock for your phone that was like a little cube that was like an inch by an inch by an inch, like a little like a tw- like a little twenty four millimeter cube <laughs> that would have a little lightning cable. How would it's that like, work? Oh, it's like this little cube dock. Well, the reason it would work is because it, um that like suction that micro that nano suction uh-huh. material we use is like very strong uh, if it's like installed correctly. So it, it like actually works like it. It actually like works as a little dock with a lightning cable. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So it's again, little... then, like, why if you had those ideas, like, what what stops that? Because you made docks, right? So why didn't you make other ones? Like you're saying about the market, like you made the Apple TV remote stand, which mm-hmm. feels like a smaller market than AirPods, maybe. Yeah, I think it just comes down to. I mean, obviously, we don't know because we've never released any of these things. But I, I think a lot of it is just intuition of just like. This seems like it's not going to do well enough for it to be worth our time or for us to be focusing on this versus because you got to remember with just, you know, a company that's just the two of us, like anything we choose to work on is means we're not working on something else. So it's all about kind of prioritizing. And if we just like become kind of not excited about an idea or are worried that, uh, you know, it won't sell that well then we're kind of not afraid to just abandon it, you know, and that question will never be answered. Like, would this have been successful or at least worth our time? But um, we're always kind of playing that game of just trying to guess like where our time should be spent. Okay. Because really there's quite a bit of overhead uh, in a couple areas to, to release anything. So a, there's like, there's basically almost the same amount of marketing we have to do like, like even a small product or a huge one it's kind of the same amount of marketing overhead in some ways um and then honestly just having another SKU that you have to maintain inventory for that you have to maintain the supplier and like supply chain relationship and all that it's just like it's a lot of overhead Uh, even if we're selling like a 100th the quantity you still have to reorder it ever so often right and so you know like for instance with that like apple tv remote stand you know we haven't that one I think is a little bit of an oddball. Like I think the reason why we still sell it and make it is just because it's so easy for us to do because we have a supplier that's close and there's not very many parts. Um, But if it was any more complex, we probably would have dropped it by now, even though we sell quite a few of them. It's just, 
uh, is not a ton of revenue just because it's like a, a lower price point. So, you know, it, it there is like a kind of a compounding amount of overhead uh, on like any kind of product. So that's like the thing we're always trying to kind of like weigh against. The same is true for just like having different color variations with SKUs on mm-hmm. products. It's kind of the same game where, you know, it's 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 not twice as much work, but it it's it's like not just 10% more work to like, you know, have another color variant or something. Would you say that you're more likely to like throw out an idea if it's simple? Well, it kind of depends what you mean by simple, but usually at that, I think that's what hooks us initially is like, oh, this will be like really simple to make. Like it's not a complex manufacturing process. So I think that will sometimes be a little bit of a glittering lure where it's like, oh, this is quote unquote easy. Uh, so it'll be like kind of a carefree product to release. It's almost never true though. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> never true. And like Tom said, kind of the 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 kind of marketing and inventory management overhead uh, kind of doesn't change no matter how simple the product is. You still have to, you know, make the product page for it and take product photography and you've got like another SKU to manage and the supply chain and everything. So even if it's simple, like the remote stand, you know, there's still all that. So, um, yeah, sometimes the simplicity is actually an attraction early on. Um, mm-hmm. but we try not to like let that convince us too much that you know we should move forward with it if it just doesn't seem right so as an example the remote stand is four parts and uh uh, two supplier relationship right and so you know it's it's quite a bit like if you if you like look at our SKUs, but then actually look at the number of parts that we have to manage to reorder it's like you know getting up until like close to 100 and it's just like man that's a lot of crap to like keep to keep on and so yeah if it's simple and just a couple parts it's like oh okay but if you know some things are crazy like for instance if if we had made like the obi thing i mean i don't know how many parts would be in that it'd probably be like 30 or something and it's just you know and that's not even counting the electronics and so it's just you know, it gets real wonky real quick. So I was looking at this list here, right? And the reason I asked about the simplicity is there's some things on here which, you know, you can kind of see, you know, you said like AirPods Dark and Apple Pencil Dark, like they're just little docks or whatever. I saw molded cork coasters, which is like, I can't imagine there's an incredibly detailed story into why you ended up not doing that. <laughs> like big lift for iPads, right? Similar idea, right? These are like simple, simple-ish projects that maybe weren't exciting enough that you think that they would warrant your time and then potentially your customers' dollars. But then I noticed large clear block of ice machine. <laughs> and i have to know more about this idea um well okay so this is a little bit of story here so the way that like restaurants and fancy cocktail bars make ice is they use this thing called a Kleinbell machine which is this very large machine like the size of a door like but flat on the ground that makes like a 500 pound block of perfectly clear ice mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they're pretty simple like they there's a thing there's like a freezing plate that makes it cold and then there's like water circulating all the time and so it just freezes the ice very slowly and so there's no air trapped in it and it makes these and then you know you see people like with chainsaws and stuff like and like band saws chopping up the ice into these big cubes and then people sell those to fancy cocktail bars and this whole thing we were like, man, I wonder if we should make one that's like the size of a sheet of paper, basically, where you get this block of ice that, you know, is kind of heavy, 
but is you could like handle it and pick it up by yourself and then you know cut it or whatever yourself and it would be really cool because you could make like really fan like really 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 fancy ice and so we were kind of thinking about it in the context of like a fancier neat ice kit like one that was like super good and for like if you do a lot of entertaining so this was after the neat ice kit then yeah, yeah. this was after yeah so it was kind of like pro version like well, okay what if you want to make like 40 cubes of ice at once or something for a party um and and so we kind of we went down the road a little bit it was mostly like tr- f- trying to figure out how those climb bell machine works and then like see you know like we could make it actually probably wouldn't be that hard to make but it would likely be pretty expensive and it's like that feels like a very small market of people um yeah. but maybe you know who knows i mean i think we've all been in the place where we're like oh man i wish i had another neat ice kit right like that or like oh i need to stock up on ice i don't know how often people were like oh man i need 40 of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah no exactly exactly right? and i guess that's the problem yeah the you know the customers would maybe be like like cater it i don't know but now there's all these services where you can just buy fancy ice cubes like mm-hmm. you can just like buy them so it's it's you know it's like it's different i mean we had this idea like years ago um but yeah that was like more industrial i yeah something a little bit odd <laughs> here's one i want to know uh because I, I don't know what this means iphone grip I don't know what that means either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what it means. So we were, well, there was, there was essentially two phases of that idea. So one phase was, uh, it's like a thing you mount, like you put on your iPhone and it's like a grip to make it like a more comfortable camera and maybe, maybe it has like a shutter release and, you know, like moment makes one and there's some sure, other ones sure. that exist. But then we, when we were developing like the latest glyph, we were thinking maybe there's something you can mount, like a piece you can mount to the side of the glyph and then have it on the phone that would make it a really nice handle as well. Um, and so it was kind of this idea that keeps... And, and honestly, it's just like, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, you could put your iPhone into a mode where it really was like a nice, comfortable camera that you could put a strap on and like all this stuff. So that's kind of where we were thinking is kind of like an extension to the latest glyph. Yeah, I think I think the idea is kind of make the iPhone feel more like a camera than like a flat rectangle that is actually quite kind of awkward to use as a camera. Right. Like it's always right. feels a little bit delicate. So it's like if you're in a situation like at a kid's birthday party or going on a hike or something and you like are using your phone basically exclusively as a camera for, you know, a one or two hour duration or whatever, you're like put this thing on it. And kind of turn your phone into a camera, like temporarily, and then you you know take it off when you're kind of done with that uh, scenario. So yeah, I, I yeah I vaguely remember that. Like, so maybe it would have some molded plastic on it or whatever, right? So it, like it was yeah, more yeah. comfortable to hold. Just so something that you can really hold it one one handed really well, and like you know like a really nice grip. Um, and I mean a lot of now a lot of cameras, even like micro four thirds cameras, don't even have a nice grip now. I mean so it's. It's, it's sometimes it's very satisfying to have a camera with like a really nice grip that you can grab onto. I have just realized something. This realization didn't come to me with the ice machine, but has come to me with talking about like the iPhone grip type idea. Are you concerned about talking about these things that now people are going to go, oh, I'd love it if you made that. <laughs> oh, well, it would be good. I mean, if, if we like, you know, if we had like 100 people tweeted us like, 
oh man, I really want an Apple Pencil dock made by you guys, we'd be like, oh, maybe we should like think about that again. Mm -hmm. So I think all of, or most of these things, uh, you know, could maybe come back to life uh, if, you know, possibly. Um, so, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm also not worried about I, the, where I thought you were going with that question was, are you worried that like of people stealing the idea or whatever, but you know, a, a lot of these ideas aren't novel, but also it's like all execution. So it doesn't, yeah, you know, it doesn't make like you difference. can sure have them, you know, <laughs> go ahead, go for it. Uh, yeah. so, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, we would love, I mean, we'd love it when people say what they would like us to make because it gives you know usually it's just us being like i don't know would people like this and so we you know actually we recently did us like put a survey to our the uh, mark one yeah. kickstarter backers like asking hey like in the world of stationery and you know notebooks and stuff like what would you like us to make and that was uh we were a little bit surprised by um that so do you want to talk about the findings of that survey like what did people want sure are you okay with that, Tom? Or no? Yeah, no, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, pencil and uh, fountain pen, mechanical pencil. Yeah, and then there was some like smaller version, like pocket, you know, notebook, that kind of thing. But yeah, it was, um, it was kind of where we were. I, I think the thing that uh, tr- like surprised us was just the like the breakdown that was like it was like way in favor of mechanical pencil and then like fountain hmm. pen so that was, i wouldn't like, have thought that i would have thought those two products but i don't know if i would have thought that mechanical pencil would be first but i can understand why um because it's more mass market like more people in the world i'm sure are interested in mechanical pencils than fountain pens because fountain pens are tricky they're pretty even actually okay. like fountain pen was definitely uh there's a lot high. of people for okay. that too. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that. I, it seemed like a lot of people were wanting a mechanical pencil that matched the Mark One, so it was kind of oh, like yeah. a set almost, you know, for your desk. So I think that was like part of it too. It was like, oh, I want this like set that will cover everything. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people that would like all three of them to look similar. So like, you have yeah. a set that that you know, like a writing set, you know, and, and also yeah. as well, you've got to imagine naturally that the people that answered that survey already liked the design of the mark one because they they bought it bought one. <laughs> yeah. so yeah exactly yeah you know so so yeah it uh so that was so that was good so i think you know i think we'll try to do more of that stuff i mean that's what's so interesting about being like having made a notebook and a pen and kind of being in this space of uh stationary desk stuff is um there's there's just like way more kind of like uh, like ideas that are obvious um you know it's not like we're inventing something new it's just doing like our version of something and um because of that because the playing field's like so wide it's nice to just get like get input for people it's like easier for people to give us input we could have probably just as well done that with like cocktail tools and we should have done that uh that would have been smart but um but i think our minds have changed quite a bit about around like how we come up with ideas and like what we decide that we can do. Um, because back in the days when we were making like the cocktail tools and the needy ice kit and stuff, we really didn't want to like, we didn't think an idea was worth doing unless it was like pretty novel. And so that kind of colored a lot of what we decided to do. I think like, you know, our mindset now at least we would maybe be a little bit more comfortable like making like a coaster or like you know actually there actually dan now i'm thinking about there was a bunch of cocktail tool tool ideas that we uh 
started developing too, like a jigger and all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. um, that that we just didn't like go ahead with. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess this is the first time we're really kind of making a line. I mean, if, if you can't tell, we are like interested in making more pins and notebooks. And so it's the first time that we've let ourselves and kind of been interested in like making like a line of products and we've never really um i guess put a lot of energy into like that as an idea and so it will be interesting to see kind of how that feels and where it goes we're just starting out we'll see it is funny to me that this is this is where that idea you know like the idea of having a line of products is in stationary because I know that you guys like this stuff, but it's not the passion for you in the same way that maybe the technology or the cocktail stuff was, right? Like it was mm-hmm. more like that you had some good ideas, but now it's turned into a potentially large part of your business going into the future. And it's, it's just kind of funny to me. Yeah. One thing I really like about it is uh, frequency of use for me personally. Like it's really yeah. satisfying to get to use uh, one of my own products every day, which is yeah. true with the Mark One. Whereas basically everything else, the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, the Neat Ice Kit, I use all of them, but kind They're of more occasionally occasional. here and there, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. as needed. I guess the Dock uh, I use every day because that's on my nightstand. Right. Uh, and I just I I feel like we're kind of steering our products towards like just stuff we want to use more frequently. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's it's satisfying though. It's nice. Like. It feels almost like the most interesting design choices are the ones where or design challenges are in the products that are used every day because any flaw in those products is magnified by frequency mm-hmm. of use, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and yeah, and it's like I, it, it will be torturous. I mean, I, I, I think it will be a little torturous possibly having products. You know, there's this old saying like, if you're an architect, don't design your own house because, you know, it's like you just you see nothing but floss constantly. Yeah. And so there, I think there will be a little bit of that. But but, I, you know, I don't know. We do enough of the like rigorous like testing before like products get released that I think we have like at least the flaws that we know exist. Like we've like rationalized mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. like we, we there's a story we can tell ourselves about them. And so it's not like a constant problem or else we wouldn't have released it probably. Um, but uh yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know where all that will go. But I mean, it's cool. I mean, I do. It, it's funny. I think Dan and I both really enjoy um, the same with like the cocktail tools and definitely with the pins and stationary stuff is it's fun becoming uh, like persnickety and knowledgeable about a subject. Um, so even though we didn't start out like on this like pen and paper journey, having a real passion for it, you like because we think about it so much we become like really like you know opinionated or persnickety about things and that is that's fun like it's fun to do so we kind of like i think we both enjoy like learning a lot about something and really thinking about something for a long time and so it's fun to like you know change and do different things you know so maybe i mean i don't think that's ever turning into like a lighting company or something or like a homewares exactly company but uh who knows i mean who knows there's a couple of other uh rejected items that i want to touch on um from this list but before i do that i want to let all of our listeners know about relay fm membership 
So、mm. if you are a Relay FM member or you become a Relay FM member, and there's a link in our show notes where you can hit a button and you can give this show some money every month, you'll get access to a selection of bonus episodes from all Relay FM shows and a bunch of other wonderful perks, including. A monthly newsletter and extra bonus content. There's extra monthly bonus content as well as special episodes that we do every year.、Uh, last year's thoroughly considered、uh, bonus episode was the reveal of the Mark One project. Right, that was the first time that you'd spoken about the fact that you were making a pen. And we have recorded another bonus episode, which is available now if you're a Relay FM member. And it is about a new secret project that the guys are working on that we won't tell you about, except to say it is cool and is maybe <laughs> and is very is much earlier in the design process、uh, than the Mark One was even. So you should become a Relay FM member. You can also go to relay.fm/membership to find out more and sign up, and you'll get access to this bonus content. And thank you so much if you do. Yeah, thanks a lot. We.、Uh... We almost never talk about secret things, and this will be, and especially if you keep it a secret, Relay shh, FM secret. members. Shh, <laughs>、uh, it will probably be a secret for a long time, and it, it might be one where we、uh, have like a longer journey to tell about it. So, yeah, that's fun.、Uh, it was fun to record, and、uh, we'll see where it goes. All right, so wall-mounted record player. <laughs> oh yes. So we were.、Uh... Oh boy. <laughs> Mike, we cheated on you. We were on、uh, another podcast with our friend Stefan、uh, a couple、mm. weeks ago,、uh, and we had randomly mentioned this product.、Uh, so it's kind of fresh on my mind.、Uh, but basically, this this didn't go anywhere. Like it was it was just an idea.、Uh, we didn't even like bother sketching it <laughs> or、uh, anything. But、um, I was I had、uh, I like. Purchased a, a design book recently from like the founder of、uh, Muji, and I was kind of admiring, you know, the products in that book. One of which is kind of the famous wall-mounted CD player, which Mike, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's kind of like a classic product, where it's you know,、uh, a, a kind of a white round rack that you mount on your wall and put a CD there. It has a clear cover, so you can kind of see the colorful CD spinning as it's playing. Yeah, and then it kind it kind of used. It had like a like a light pull cord to to turn it on and off. So just kind of a kind of a whimsical and and fun、uh, design. So I think inspired by that, I was like, man, it would be cool to have a wall mounted record player.、Uh, for a few re- reasons, one is just be like.、Uh, A crazy kind of like conversation piece, but I thought there would be there could be some really cool kind of engineering you would do where what I was kind of imagining is like the、uh, the needle, you know, instead of like being on an arm that kind of rotates inward as the record plays, you know, if it's a normal record player, instead it'd be kind of on a vertical track and it would start at the top, and as the record plays, you'd like slowly, you know, drop down to the center of the record. Uh, like I thought that would be cool. I thought potentially there could be <laughs> like a way to display the、uh, the sleeve as well. So you have kind of、huh. like the sleeve there, and、uh-huh. the record yeah, is yeah. like playing and stuff. And 
But that that was just like it. It was just like, oh, that would be a cool thing. And they were just like, yeah, we're, we're not going to make that. That's that's like just a really technically difficult thing. Yeah, that sounds like a really horrific design challenge. Like yeah. to get that to work reliably sounds like it would it would be pretty difficult to design. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, th- I think the real thing that... Uh, well, one, what we were—I I think we were both excited about the prospect of, you know, making a more expensive item that we could, you know, use some different kind of materials. We're not used to using a, you know, using something that's like very nice and like really, really sweat the details on. So I think that was like also a like I guess basically a luxury item, like something that, you know, we could do some things that were like very. Um, I don't know, I guess, like, gratuitous or at least, like, indulgent. I, I will say I would 100% buy this product and would expect it to be very expensive. <laughs> yeah. I just want you yeah, to yeah. know that, that, like, if yeah. you ever decide to make these on, like, some kind of bespoke ordering process, I would 100% want one of these. Well, maybe this will be the product, as you mentioned earlier, that everyone's going to tweet at us and be like, oh my gosh, you have to make that. <laughs> It'll what do you think? Like, it's probably be like a $500 product or something, right? Like at it least, would be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least, yeah. I would. I really, I really want it though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the saving? Uh, what saved us a little bit, or what was kind of an interesting turn of events, is literally just a few months after we had this idea, a super success- successful Kickstarter campaign launched for, it wasn't a wall mounted record player but it was like a vertical record player do you remember that no i don't see that mike it's like it's still the record player still sits on a uh on a flat surface like the player itself is kind of flat but the record is held upright vertically kind of like a wheel uh and it plays that way so there's no point to it other than just being like a neat conversation piece but that came out and it was i think it raised over a million dollars like it was really successful and so oh is this the floating record vertical turntable by gramavox mm-hmm. it made 1.5 million dollars yeah this is really nice yeah so when that came out it was just like oh like it made me feel bad cuz it's like we were we were onto something with the idea like this is clearly something that there is like a demand for but at the same time i was relieved because if we were kind of like knee deep in prototyping and then that product came out even though it's different than what i'm describing i think it would have been a kind of crushing uh yeah we would, we would have felt like we were beat uh a little bit to market so it's kind of a blessing um but yeah i don't i don't think we're we're gonna return to that but i don't know tweet at us if you want a wall-mounted record player <laughs> Yeah, you know, it would be, there's been a similar idea. I mean, not really. I think one thing that also felt weird about that idea to us is like, it felt it would feel like it'd be more luxury and kind of especially at the time, a little bit off brand for us in terms of just like, it was like, like a piece of furniture or like a homeware kind of thing. And I think now that feels more on brand. But at the time, it was like, a little bit maybe strange um but we also had like have had this idea and we uh, developed it pretty far in terms at least sketch wise of doing like some furniture basically uh uh basically like a little caddy for like an ipad or a laptop that would be in your living your living room so it's like a place to put your ipad or your laptop that's like really nice and minimal but is really good at like having charging cables in there and stuff and so it really is like a piece of furniture it would be you know more expensive than our other products 
probably. Um, but it would also be kind of like tech integrated. So that that would have sent us down a different path. Um, so we had a couple ideas like that that are like more furniture-y uh, feeling. And, you know, maybe someday in the future. Dan, did you ever, what did you think about? I mean, I was always kind of sketching ideas for that like iPad holder thing. What was your read on that always? I never, I never really bought it. Uh, I think, I don't know exactly what my hangout was. It just seemed like I always get these kind of like, kind of a tinge of a feeling that it's kind of like solving a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, so it's like kind of a, a thing, a place for a thing that doesn't really need a place or, or just like kind of excessive in a way it's not really solving a problem. So maybe that was my like... I would say, as a man with multiple iPads, storage solutions, hard to come by. <laughs> and I would like nice ones. I mean, I... I, I mean, I... I my, the reason this idea came around is because like my wife and I, we always have like laptops and stuff and they're always like, we're sitting on the couch using them and we just ended up like putting them like behind a couch cushion and stuff. And now, especially with like toddlers jumping all over the couch, it's like, it, we never have a good place to put those things. And like having a little thing that sits next to your couch, that's like nice, but that where you can just like stick things. And you can and charge. Them in. Yeah, I will say exactly. again, another product that I would pay good money for. Like that's, <laughs> that. this is a thing that when uh, I was getting out my office, I was looking for something, couldn't find anything that did this. And this, I wanted that exact purpose solved and couldn't find anything yeah well maybe someday i think one i think one of the hang-ups with that too is like there was no there was nothing elegant we could figure out with the charging it was just like you got to snake a cable through and it just got to be kind of like sitting in there and then every time you put it in you kind of have to like pull the cable up and plug it in and then like snug it back down like it just didn't feel very clean or elegant yeah Yeah. because that was like another thing where i was looking at like oh could i take something that already exists and put some cables in it. And it's like, well, it all kinds of sucks though. Cause then it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of cables and nothing's going to line up. And yeah, that's, yep. that's the problem with it. Right. Yeah. One of the, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I don't know. That's the problem with like having all these like electronic devices in living rooms and stuff is because they're just, I don't know. There's like all these cables everywhere and everything, but I don't know. I still use a laptop all the time, even though I have like this big, iMac in my office like we, we I think we have three laptops like hidden in the couch right now <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that's not going away yeah <laughs> I didn't know you used a laptop yeah I still do some just because I don't want to I don't it's like old but I don't want to like stand at my standing desk with my like in my office with the iMac and the iPad Pro doesn't do everything that I want just because I do like CAD stuff so it's like mm. it's like tricky well, Mike, would it be okay if we have a uh, if we transition to a tech podcast for the end of the show? Most definitely, I'm, that very, right I'm very used to that. Sure, <laughs> dance tech corner. This is a thing. So, in in the background of this is many weeks of Dan wanting to introduce a new segment to the show that we have labeled, I think, to his behest, dance tech corner. So, buckle up, everyone. Here we go. <laughs> I've had a I've had a thought that basically should have I just should have written as a blog post several weeks ago and then realized we don't really have a blog uh, anymore. So <laughs> just just write it and post it as screenshots on Instagram. That's that's yeah. what we do now. That's right. that's just, just a really long Twitter thread. Uh, so 
basically kind of if you listen to the regular tech podcasts as I do, and I'm sure as many of our listeners do, there's a lot of kind of discussion about Apple's current laptop line and all the problems with it and kind of what they should do to fix it or oftentimes what they should do to better uh, service pros. And a lot of the suggestions I hear, I feel in that kind of later thing is like, oh, they should just do a pro laptop. That's like even better, like, like make it thicker, uh, add more ports and just have like, uh, you know, another tier, I guess, a pro laptop. Um, but the thought I had is I feel like there's a huge gap in Apple's understanding of how professional, how working professionals use laptops. Uh, and that is that it's that it's often but not always connected to a monitor an external monitor and the current experience of using a monitor is really bad uh, like the from both the hardware and the software side like uh when you talk about like oh like if i if i have i have my laptop closed in clamshell and then i like disconnect my monitor like my computer screen doesn't turn on and i have to like reboot or like oh the windows are like always like rearranging um so so anyways what i think what apple should do which they almost certainly will not do but i think they should do it (laughs) is uh kind of just like a radical rethinking of what a laptop can be in in that kind of environment and how they can design an entire system to facilitate that kind of both on the hardware and software side. So the way I'm thinking of it is that you should think of a laptop as basically two computers. Uh, one when it's running on battery, like untethered to anything. And then as a, something in, different entirely when it's plugged in on a desk connected to a monitor and other peripherals. So they can kind of, I think they can kind of have their cake and eat it too, where on the software side, they can do things with like battery only mode where it's like, uh, like throttling things and, uh, kind of like trimming performance in ways that like extends battery life and makes it like a really solid, like travel computer. But then when you are using it in the desktop scenario, like maybe there's, like a like an Apple designed monitor is kind of like the obvious thing that works like perfectly, but uh, you know maybe there's like an external GPU like built into that that like all like kind of works together in this system like extra ports obviously like once you're connected to the whole system system and they kind you can kind of do that now but it's just like so junky and it feels so un Apple like. And so many working professionals like do this, like so many working professionals sit at a desk most of the day, but they have to have a laptop. Like there's no way they could realistically just get a desktop computer. So I think Apple should think about servicing what I perceive to be like a really common use case for a laptop. So Mm -hmm. that's all I got. So I will channel my inner Stephen Hackett here. What you are <laughs> describing is kind of like the PowerBook Duo, uh-huh. which was a product from the 90s, which was a laptop, but came with a bunch of docks that you could attach it to, so that it was a laptop, but then when you attached it to one of the docks, it had additional power 
that it mm-hmm. could draw, like processing power from the docking system. Mm-hmm. Which so then you got that like it was a laptop, and it did laptop things. But when you sat down and put it into the docking system, it could do desktop things. And I actually think this is not a bad idea because I you are I think you are very I think that the nugget of what you've hit on is very very true, which is that a large amount of working professionals that are assigned a computer in offices all over the world, right? Like I used to have this in my office. Adina has it in hers and they use Macs, which is you have your laptop so that way you can take it home to do the work they want you to do at home but promise mm-hmm. that they would never ask you to do. <laughs> uh, and also they can hot desk, right? So there's it, they don't have to have desks, like assigned desks for everyone or they need just a bunch of monitors, which is cheaper because you need less desks ultimately because people are working at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you just pl- everybody plugs into monitors every single day and has to deal with the nightmare of plugging into monitors. Like that is where laptops in the professional world are being used and yeah. only laptops are being used in the professional world so then they don't have to buy workstations. Mm-hmm. So I think you're completely right. Like, that there should be a lot more consideration in 2018 around how laptops are actually desktops now, and yeah, and and that maybe Apple isn't or had taken their eye off the ball with this, i.e., by stop making their own displays, right? Yeah. Which, which, when you think about it in that in that sense, doesn't make any sense. Like it shows that maybe they've been a little bit out of touch with how these things were being used, even though surely this is how they're doing it at Apple. Right, must be. It must be. <laughs> I wonder if they're. Um, I wonder if they're waiting on some technology like wireless, uh, like screen connection and stuff, which I know is like a huge technical problem that we are not there yet. But you know, I would imagine they're. Yeah, you know, they're aware of this problem, right? They know that like every professional does this, and so I wonder if you know maybe what they want is. You, for you to just have a laptop and you can just close it and set it on your desk and then immediately uh, like this screen comes up in like a, a, mm-hmm. a la like handoff sort of situation where the screen comes up, your keyboard immediately works, like all your peripherals and like input devices work. And uh, like, you know, every, there's just no wires. There's like nothing to plug in. You just like, like NFC basically. and Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff. Like, all yeah, I mean, together. to do the screen wirelessly is like a whole thing. But I, I just wonder if, you know, uh, they're waiting on something like that because it does feel like a very Apple thing to do. Um, because, you know, honestly, like, you know, I don't think very many people actually like I was thinking about when you were talking, like for most people who aren't doing like 3D or like software or like video editing, you know, I don't know if they really need more performance in a laptop exactly. Um, and so the real problem with all of that is really just the UI stuff of like plugging in the thing and like, you know, the screen and all that rigmarole. And it feels like, yeah, it just seems weird that they wouldn't be solving that problem unless they were just waiting on some technological thing they wanted to do uh, before, like, really implementing it. I don't know. Because it, it does seem like a very large blind spot, and they do definitely know about it because they do lots of research. So If that's the reason, is, like, they're waiting for wireless stuff, I think that's uh, That feels silly. like a waiting for Godot type situation. Like that. But and as it is currently, right, like, you can... You can just plug one cable in and basically have yep. that acting as power and you know the uh, the I/O for everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's like as it is now, it could be super simple where it's like, oh, I have my laptop closed, I just jam one cable in, and I'm yeah. like, good to go. It is it is very very likely that the display that Apple is making will 
is for this, right? Like you will take one Thunderbolt cable, plug that into your Mac, and everything else is plugged into the screen that they're making, yeah. right? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, I mean, they already exist, you know, basically, right? Yeah. They need to do so much software stuff. Like that's what yes. I'm saying. It's not just hardware, it's software because it's like the transition from uh monitor from laptop to monitor is so rough (laughs) yeah i don't understand like i mean okay i understand but i don't understand why it can't just save two different states like the computer knows when i'm attached to a laptop and rearranges my windows accordingly to the last time i did it and now Mm -hmm. when i'm a lap when i'm in laptop mode it rearranges them to be correct for the last time i was in laptop mode like i hate Mm -hmm. that thing where you you unplug or plug it in and everything gets really small and like just moved around in like ways that seem incomprehensible because yeah. the resolution's changing and i and i understand why that happens but the computer should know it should be smart enough to know yeah Oh, I think it is. I think it's just, I, like I said, I, I, you know, you know, they've been doing all this stuff with like the back to my Mac and like handoff and stuff. I, I just wonder if, you know, maybe they want you be able to plug your iPhone in and be the brain to like your screen and your peripherals and like the iOS, like the OS changes over. I know that's like a very controversial point of view in the Apple world, but um, I, I don't know. It just feels like maybe they are waiting for something before they really fully tackle that problem because it, it, it like, it seems like, um, yeah, there's like a lot of low-hanging fruit there, but it feels like really the way to do it is like a complete overhaul. Like you really would need to rethink, like to do it well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like rethink a lot of stuff. So I don't know. I mean, like, wouldn't it be nice? Like I want the world where I just like have I have my like iPhone, I just set it next to my computer and then immediately like my app, and software and files like literally just follow me around always all the time uh and so the the ideal situation in my mind is like your iphone can be the brain for all of that and the only thing you're really changing is like input you know like physical input things and so you know in 50 years that would likely be the case right so i don't know maybe they're waiting on something it's wireless i bet something wireless but i don't know this is not tom's tech corner no damn Dan, has this been a satisfying first edition of, of Dan's Tech Corner? I loved it. Good. I'm really <laughs> pleased. Can we splinter this off as its own podcast? Uh, Dan's Tech Corner. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode and sign up to be a member at relay.fm slash tc slash 41.